cake uh, is all about the birth of Jesus. And so we love you, and I'm sure I left something out, but Pastor Robert's going to fill it all in. All right. All right. Thank you, Pastor Kathy. Well, we're going to, in just a moment, we'll take a history that I've seen it on the ground when I was in Haiti, and uh, it's pretty phenomenal what they do. And those little bowls you saw, that's what so many of these kids are fed out of. And the rice that you saw is not just like the rice we do here. It's actually... Um, got all kinds of vitamins that they've, they've put in there and mixed in there. It's a, it's a mix of things, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing they do. And you're, you're part of making that possible. And so um, you're part of that. You're part of that and, and have been. And so I'm, But we're going to talk about Christmas for a minute as we're doing uh, Best Christmas Ever. How many of y'all have an uncle or a cousin? If you can't raise your hand, you might be that uncle. Uh, you know, that, that um, you know, we, we've all got one. I had one, Uncle Alf. His name was Alfred. And Uncle Alf would go around to all the cousins. Now, my mama was the last when she died last year of like 15 or 16 siblings. I mean, she had a bunch. That's just the ones I knew of. She had some she didn't know about that were older than her. And, uh, and so uh, Uncle Alf would come. He didn't have children. But he would go around to all the cousins. And Uncle Alf liked to shake the box. How many of you know when you was a kid, if it didn't make noise, it wasn't any good, right? I mean, it was socks from an ant uh, or a tie or something like that or a sweater, worse than that. It was, you know, and, and so he would shake it if it rattled and he'd, he'd start the guessing game. What's going on in that thing? And all his sisters were ready to kill him when he would do that, you know, because it, it just got us kids all riled up, right? Anybody besides me ever done that to somebody now? Because what I did for years after that was I would put change in a box so it would rattle, you know. And I, I, might, give, I might be given a, a card or, or socks, but it would rattle. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, uh, but, but, you know, it, it's, it's always fun to, be, to get together with family. That's probably the biggest thing about the holidays that I like. Now, you might have that uncle or you might be that uncle, but I've got a few pictures of some some things. Now, you know, one of the things is we always like to take kids to see Santa Claus, right? And that doesn't always work out good, as you can see right there. And uh, there's another one that's just as bad where the, the Santa, you know, guys that play Santa Claus, they, they have the, the fruit of the spirit of patience, I'm telling you, because this would drive me crazy. I mean, it's just like they're trying to hold them for the picture and the kids are just going crazier. Or, uh, or maybe, you know, we wanted to go Christmas caroling. It just didn't work out. Uh, you know, but here's the way some people did Christmas caroling. You can see this. Now, I'm not sure how that works. They've got their back to the person they're singing to because the horses don't always cooperate, do they, you know? And, uh, and, you know, and then sometimes, and we've got some around here. That's why there's a table in front of all those presents up there. We already had somebody crawl under the table and go in there today. I meant to lay one on its side as a blockade, but... Sometimes you just got to protect stuff from toddlers, right? There you see the Christmas tree with the chairs all around it. The problem is that dude can climb up on that chair the way they're set and, and, uh, and so all that. And then, but with all that being said, they are cute. You can see here, you know, just two little cuties right there. Now look, and when you see these pictures, I mean, it just makes, and all the movies and everything of family, it makes it, makes it fun, uh, you know, and, and while... You know, my family might be a little different than your family or other families. 
it's still family. And so, you know, somebody said Christmas time is a time to look beyond our differences just as God did and truly love one another. I mean, what a statement that is because we, we've got these differences. But it is a time because everybody loves the baby Jesus, right? I mean, you know, at Easter is a little bit more, you know, Jesus paying the price for your sins, but everybody loves the baby Jesus, even though somebody took our baby Jesus that we had a little doll for the baby Jesus. But anyway, um, you know, it, it's a time you look beyond differences. Politics shouldn't matter. Color shouldn't matter. Ethnic, whatever the differences are, they shouldn't matter. We need to look past those just like God did and truly love one another. It's a time for love, and love is a wonderful thing. I mean, the word love gets used way too much. It's thrown around by too many different things. I mean, we love pizza. We love Cold Stone Creamery, right? And, uh, you know, and, and um, we love it when we get gift cards for Cold Stone Creamery and, and places like I mean, you know, it's just a wonderful place. It's, it's fun to feel those feelings of love. It's a warm feeling. And, uh, and, and so it's one of the most great feelings you can express, feel when somebody is expressing love to you. It's also fun to express it to other people. And, and it seems that for the most part during Christmas, people are more likely to offer or extend love, care, and compassion towards other people, except if you're in the parking lot at the mall. Then it's on, right? I mean, if you turn in front of me, your cars get... I just... My, my mantra in the parking lot is, mine's paid for is yours, because I'm going in that parking spot. You know what I mean? You know, and they just kind of, you know, back off. Pray for me. Pray for Pastor Kathy. Uh, she, she was going... She told me yesterday I needed to go read my Bible. And, uh, and so... You know, but it's, it's a time, for the most part, you know, we, we will offer love. So what is it about Christmas that draws this out of us? What is it about Christmas that draws out this, this showing of love or, or, and, and all that? I mean, I think it, it could be that it's the, the very heart of Christmas comes from the generous heart of God the Father. Uh, you know, he's, he's the God that created us. He created humankind. He created the world. He's the same God that knew that the people he created, the people he loved, would be the same people that crucified his son on a cross. But yet he still sent his son, the gift of mercy, to us, knowing we were going to reject him, knowing we were going to crucify him and kill him. Now, what a gift. So what is it about giving gifts to others and being generous with those we love that brings out the best in us? What is it about that? I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's truly more blessed to give than receive. I love giving and then seeing the face on, on somebody when they, when they open it. So why does it feel so much better and more fulfilling to be on that giving end than on the receiving end? I don't know all the answers, but I do know that at the very heart of it is the love of God because at Christmas, God gave Jesus to us, the ultimate gift. And so I think we can say with Paul what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We can't describe the gift of Jesus. The gift of that feeling when you are forgiven and that load is lifted off of you. The gift when you realize that Jesus cares about the little details of your life and is taking care of those details. It's an indescribable gift. So I want us to look at a a few things about God and about this gift. Number one, I want you to write this down. This is an easy one. God is love. God is love. As, as we begin, I want you to understand 
you know, we've been doing this message series of, of uh, your best Christmas ever. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they're kind of all connected. We have eternal hope in, in the promises of God made alive in Jesus. I mean, we have unshakable peace in Jesus who's going to return for us, I think, sooner than later, his church. We have the gift of deep and abiding joy and love and understanding of Jesus. And at the end of the day, we know what pure, unfiltered, unconditional love looks like because of the example that Jesus himself set. Look what John, the apostle, wrote about it. He said, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Listen, at its core, I want you to understand this today. God is love. Every action God takes is motivated and it's sustained by love. Now, John tells us that the very reason Jesus came to earth was because of his great love for us. That's why he came. So the reason we could even define love is because it's been displayed for us by God. It's We've, we've been given that example. Love is so much more than a Hallmark movie. And I'm a guy, and I do like Hallmark movies. It's so much more than hashtags and everything else we've come to believe that it is. Love is deeply personal, hard to define, and yet at the same time, we fully understand what we're looking at it when we see it. We understand it when we see it, even though it's hard to define. I was looking for stories on love on the Internet and, in a Bible software package I've gotten. And I ran two or three by Pastor Kathy that she wouldn't let me tell because they were horrible. <laughs> the story of love of somebody giving up their life for somebody. So I found a better one. It's about Jim and Della. They lived in New York, and, and uh, they were fairly poor. And after they paid their rent and uh, their groceries, they were pretty much out of money. So it was two days before Christmas, and uh, they were both still looking for each other's presents. And, uh, and so Della wanted to get Jim a gold chain to go with his watch. And uh, he had a gold watch. And so, uh, you know, she went and, um, and, and, and got him that gold chain. And he wanted to give her, she had long, beautiful hair. He wanted to give her some combs that she had admired at a store for her hair. And so uh, Della went and uh, she sold her hair to a wig maker. For $20. She only had $1.87. The wig, the, the gold chain was $21. So she bought the gold chain for, for Jim. And, and she went home and cooked him dinner. And she, she was worried that he might look at her differently when he got home and saw her without her hair. And when he came home, he was looking at her strange. And, and, uh, and, and she asked him about it. And, and he gave her his present. And she, as she opened it, she saw the combs that she had admired in the department store to put up her hair with. And then she remembered she'd put his present under the tree. So she went and got it and gave it to him. And, and he opened it up in his beautiful gold chain. And she said, now put it on your watch. Only to find out he had sold the watch to get her the combs. Now see, that's what love does. Love takes your best and gives it to someone they love. That's what the wise men did on Christmas. They brought Jesus their best when they gave him their gifts. That's what love does. That's what God did at Christmas when he gave us Jesus. And uh, so we need to understand it. Second thing I want you to understand about love, love one another is the new commandment. Love, you know, love sounds good. It's a lot better than hate and anger. 
so what are we supposed to do? Now, throughout the Gospels, the disciples are always asking Jesus a lot of questions. Kind of like your kids, you know, when they're little. They're asking all these questions. But most of the questions were relating to what they should be doing or should not be doing. You know, they'd be talking about how many times should we forgive somebody. The law says this, and Jesus would always change it and make it more. How, what about prayer? What about fasting? What about tithing? What about keeping the Sabbath? All these things. And then Jesus finally says, look, I'm giving you a new rule. Here's what he said in John 13. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Look at this. Love each other. He said, love each other just as I've loved you. You should love one another. Now, he didn't just say love each other the way we understand it. He said, just like I've loved you, you go out and love other people now. You love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, listen, it's not going to be your doctor. It's not going to be how many Bible verses you've memorized. It's not going to be uh, how many times you come to church. It's not going to be, you know, how big a church we have or anything like that. People will know we follow Jesus by how well we love each other. People are going to know that you follow Jesus by how well we love each other. Now, Jesus commanded us that we love each other. So I want to ask you, what do people see when they look at us? I mean, do they see a bunch of bickering and jealousy or division? You know, or, or do they see us trying to put rules on people? Do they see us arguing over uh, different things? Or, or do they see us loving each other? See, love, this isn't in your notes. You might want to write this down. Love is an attitude that reveals itself in action. Love is an attitude that reveals itself in action. In other words, love is a verb. You know, how can, how can we love people like Jesus loved us? I'll tell you how. Here's how we love people like Jesus loves, by helping them when it's not convenient, by giving when it hurts. That's what we'll do in this, this One Day to Feed the World offering, by devoting energy to others' welfare instead of our own. That's what some of y'all do when you're taking food to the sick and food to the grieving and food to the homeless, uh, uh, to the little refrigerator thing uh, for the neighborhood, when you're walking out under the bridge and giving, giving people stuff, when you're helping somebody move when they needed help moving, you, that, that's all that stuff. That's love in action. That's, that's how we love each other, the way Christ loves. I, look at how this love plays out. I love this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. We usually read this at weddings because we know as a, as a married couple you need these things. But look what he said. Love is patient. You think our world needs a little more patience? You think if we were patient with other people and, and even in the parking lot, maybe it would... It would help them be a little more patient. Or, or it says in kind. That would be like honestly smiling and saying, you take the spot. You take the spot. You know, or whatever. Or it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. Man, we need some less irritable going on right now. What if we were showing that? There, there's probably 70-something of us in this room and, and another 100 or so Listening, what if, what if all of us started showing patience and kindness and we weren't jealous and boastful? What if we just weren't rude to people? What if we weren't demanding our own way? That would ripple effect. It'd ripple through our families. It'd ripple around us at work. You know, it says love doesn't rejoice about injustice. And we, we, you know what? We, sometimes we, we get so involved in what's going on in the news and we see something from one side and then the other side does something, we go, yeah, and that one is just as bad as this one. Love does not rejoice about injustice. It rejoices 
when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures, endures through every circumstance. Then he says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will, is useless, will become useless, but love will last forever. So love's a big deal. And, and, and Jesus said, you've got to show these actions towards each other. That's how people are going to know that you're mine, that we're patient with each other, that we show kindness to each other, that we're, we're you know, not jealous and boastful and proud, all those things. That's the way Jesus wants us to act towards each other. And then he goes on to say this. He says, we're not only to love each other like he loved us, we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Look what he said in the Great Commission, or the Great Commandment, rather. Some, some Jewish leaders came and asked him this question, and they said, well, what is the greatest commandment? And he said this. He said, number one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I don't think this one's in your outline, the scripture. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And that's an easy one, right? It's easy. Well, I love God. But then he says this. That's the first and greatest. The second one's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the disciples trying to catch up with him said this, well, who's our neighbor? And basically when Jesus got done with that, everybody is your neighbor, all right? Everybody is your neighbor. So he says, you got to love each other and you got to love everybody. And so love is a big deal. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it's easy to love God, but then we got we to gotta love our neighbors, even the one that gripes at you when your car falls over his property line and when you're parking on the curb. Even the one that when your dog is barking, he complains. You know, we're just to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, uh, and that's not always easy. I had two neighbors that were at war with each other, and I was in the middle, you know, and they were, they were mad at each other about dogs or something like that. And, and uh, you know, one of them had a heart attack conveniently in the summer, and I cut his grass all summer. And, uh, and, and, and so just loving people. When we cut the trees off his house uh, after Katrina, the people that came and did that loved him and told him about Jesus, and this is why we're doing this. And so you're able to do those kinds of things. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that love look like? How did Jesus show love to his disciples? How does he show love to us today? Well, we don't, you know, we don't um, have to guess at that. We know the answer. Somebody said this, love for our neighbor consists of three things. One, the desire to desire the greater good of everyone. To desire the greater good of everyone. Think about that. We want, if we love our neighbors, then we're wanting the greater good for the whole. You know, that used to be kind of the thing our country was built on is, is you look to help the, the entity, the whole, uh, and then do what, what good we can when we can. So do, listen, think about that. Do what good we can when we can. So when... When there's an opportunity to do something good for somebody, do it. It might be giving them a big old honking tip in one of these. I got a text from somebody this morning and said, hey, I, I didn't have a little red Bible, but I gave a big honking tip. and said, Jesus loves you. But, you know, uh, you know so, but, but do that. Do what, what, if it's to fix a flat tire or, or give somebody a ride or uh, buy somebody a, a gift or a bicycle or something like that. I mean, you do it when you can. And he said, bear, excuse, and hide others' faults. That means we're not going out pointing out what somebody did wrong. We're bearing up under we're hide, we're, we're excusing that. We're helping them uh, to get back right. John said it like this. We know what real love is. 
Because Jesus gave up his life for us. Think about that. Jesus came to die. He was born to die. He came to die on a cross to pay for the price of my sin. So I don't have to pay for him. Then he says this. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So he's saying now, hey guys, he said Jesus gave it all for you and you're to give it all for others. That's, a, that's some powerful marching orders. And, uh, and so we're to lay down our lives. That, what does that mean? That means I'm going to put your, desire, your needs above my desires. That means I might be wanting to do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to help you. I, you know, I might have wanted to buy another Apple product, but I'm going to give in the one-day offering. I might have I been wanting to go somewhere, but I see you on the side of the road with a flat tire. I'm going to stop and help you with that flat tire. And, uh, and so that's the principle behind the one day to feed the offering. We're going to give up something maybe we want for something somebody needs. And so it's simple, uh, but it's not easy to love people like Jesus does. It's not easy. It, it's inconvenient. It takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. It'll make you tired. It's messy to love people like Jesus. Sometimes they don't always act when you help them like they ought to. Sometimes they go back into a into, into drug addiction, and you got to help them into recovery again. Sometimes they just, they, it doesn't work out right, and, and so it's messy, but we've got to love like Jesus. Now, why doesn't everybody love like Jesus? Number three, write this down. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. See, our culture thinks and <clears throat> almost forces people to think that love's something you fall into. I mean, you watch TV, and oh, man, you just can't help who you fall in love with. I mean, you know. It's an emotion that kind of comes and goes. You fall in and you fall out. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's a dangerous teaching about what love is, and it's false. It's absolutely wrong. Uh, you need, most of you, I think, know this. Love is a choice that we make. I, I mentioned love is a verb. I actually used to do that talk to kids called love is a verb. It's an action. It's an action word. And so I don't know, but I, I, I'm thankful that God loved us, loved me enough to send Jesus for me because I sure didn't deserve it. I'm thankful. You know, I, I mean, I think we're privileged. Not only did God love us enough to send Jesus, Jesus was willing to come. I mean, let me ask you, how many of us would be willing, knowing we're going to get killed, to go on that mission that Jesus came on? I don't think I would have. Now, y'all might be better than me. But Jesus did. He humbled himself, became one of what he created, lived a life to show us we can walk by faith, and then he died on the cross for us. That's amazing. I mean, it just blows my mind. The more I think about that, it just blows my mind. If it wasn't for the loving sacrifice of Jesus and the Father, we wouldn't even be here today. We wouldn't be here today. I love John 3.16. It says this, For God loved the world. I want you to put your name in there. Everybody say, For God loved, I'll say Robert. You say your name. Just say that part. For God loved Robert. Say your name. So he loved you so much that he gave his only son so that anyone, that's you, who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Let me ask you, do you think it was easy for God to love a world that for the most part didn't and does, still doesn't love him? Do you think it was easy for, for God to love people that for the most part don't love him back? I mean, do you think it was easy for Jesus to love and be willing to die for the very people who lied about him, arrested him, falsely tried him, beat him, and executed him. you think it was easy for that? I mean, here's the thing. I've often wondered about this. When Jesus was letting them beat him, and when he hung them on the cross, 
The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. One angel in the Old Testament killed 186,000 troops. 10,000 angels would really take care of the Romans. Jesus could, the Bible says Jesus spoke and the world was created. Jesus could have spoke and some Roman soldiers would have been uncreated. But you know what he did? He held that power in and he let them do what he did, what they did because of his love for us. I'd have been, man, I'd have been like, it'd have been time for some smoting to go on. You know, where you hear people pray, Lord, smote them. That's an, old, that's an old King James word. I'd have been smoting some people off that cross. I mean, you know, but Jesus didn't. He chose to hold it and go through it for you and me. He went through it for you and me. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him wasn't easy. It's not easy at all. It, hey, look, it's not easy for us to even love that aunt and uncle that we have, right? Or your spouse. Some of y'all, I've seen the way y'all look at us, guys. I mean, you, you know, and, and, and sometimes friends get on your last nerve. And, and, and you know, and here we, we're told to love our enemies, too. That, that it's not easy to love people. It's not easy. So write that down. Love is not easy. It's not something you fall into. It takes a genuine, focused effort to love others. It's a decision that we make. Now, there's good emotions that go with it. I mean, romantic love is wonderful. We're talking about agape, God kind of love. See, we can love him because he first loved us. The Bible says you couldn't even come to him if he didn't draw you to him. He loved us first. Jesus set the example for us, and he asked us to follow his lead. That's what love does. Number four, write this down, love redeems. It redeems us from death, redeems us from our sins. Love redeems. Now, John 3.16, we just read that. We love that verse. But I want you to look at the very next verse. A lot of people forget, forget this verse. We all memorize John 3.16. I mean, even the kids at Rivard, most of them, a lot of them, less of them now than 10 years ago, can quote John 3.16. says, uh, but John 3.17, most people don't know. It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't send Jesus to condemn people. Although by some churches... You wouldn't know it. Some of these little country churches and that finger's pointing at you, you know. It's somebody, I've been on the other side of that finger, you know. And, and, uh, and, and, and you think, man, I mean, this is like you're a worm. Let's see how we can make you squirm, you know. I mean, it, it, it just, it's a, it's a you know, it, but that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. He came to offer redemption, reconciliation, and renewal. He came to redeem us from our sins to reconcile us with God and each other, and to renew our spirits inside us. That's what he came to do. Jesus came to save the world and not condemn it. Write that down. He came to save the world and not condemn it. You'll never hear those condemning sermons here. You'll always hear about Jesus' love. Colossians, Paul said this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. You know what that means? That means that when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. The fullness of God resided in Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. What that means is, through Jesus, God made everything right with him and each other. He reconciled our relationship with God. We were at odds with God because of our sin, because of our sin nature. But Jesus paid that price. Jesus paid that price. He paid your ticket, your meal ticket or your Home Depot ticket, whatever it is. 
He paid that price for you. And it says he made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's what he did. And I believe one of the greatest responsibilities we have once we experience that kind of love and that kind of forgiveness and that reconciliation is to share it with others. That's why yesterday we were giving out these ladies, uh, Cheryl and, and Terry and Joe, and they had a gang of ladies in here, Deborah. They were in here working uh, Friday and then came back yesterday to give them away. We are giving away baskets with a gift card for turkey or ham. We are giving away toys to kids that came. That's why tomorrow the ones that didn't come from the school were taking it to them. And, uh, and so... Uh, we're going we're gonna to get that. That's why we do that. We want to offer that love of Jesus to others because every one of those, we've invited them to church. We've given them information about the church. We've given them a scripture uh, to go with. And we're letting them know there's a God that loves them. And so we share it in many ways. We've done, that's why we do the, the outreaches. That's why we give you these little red Bibles. Uh, give these things, you know. Like I said, leave a big old tip. You know, and leave a little red Bible. Maybe they'll read it. Talk to people. Just be, be, be nice. You know, offer a word of encouragement, you know, and stuff like that. And you'll be, you'll be amazed how often you can then work in talking about what God's doing in your life. So let me just land this. The last one I know y'all looking at, there's one more blank. Is he going to forget it or what? The best Christmas ever is about giving and receiving love. It's about giving and receiving love. And as we close in on Christmas, that's this, you know, Christmas Eve is this Friday. We're going to do a service. Christmas Day is Christmas, is Saturday morning. What, as we close in on it, what has God redeemed in your life? What is what has God redeemed in your life? What what is, where have you seen the fullness of Jesus' hope, the fullness of His peace and joy and love this year? Hopefully, a few things are running through your mind as I ask that question. But maybe you're struggling to see any kind of redemption in your life. Maybe it's been a while since you really felt loved or forgiven. You know, I've run into so many people that feel like they'll say, man, if I walked in your church, the roof would cave in. I just tell them we got it reinforced. <laughs> that first Christmas was special and it's still special because it's a moment in time that we can point to where we see God's love in action for us. But this Christmas can be special too. It could be the moment that you decide to put your love for others in action. It could be the moment where you decide to follow Jesus, lead to love others by giving your life, energy, and time and resources to Him for them. This may be the first time you accept God's love. Maybe the first time you ever share God's love. Listen, Jesus came to redeem us from death. And that love is not something that we should keep to ourselves something we need to share. I want you to bow your heads. Just close your eyes for a minute. I'm not even, you know, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here in this room, if you're watching on, online, I want you to know God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. Why did he have to die? To pay a price for our sin because the Bible says that we've all sinned, every one of us, me included, and that the cost of that sin, the wages of that sin is death. That's my spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And Jesus paid that price. It's like Pastor Kathy and I have a guy that if we're in a restaurant with him, we'll be waiting on the ticket to come and the waitress will finally come tell us and say, well, the gentleman paid your, your
your lunch. I'm always trying to find where he's eating next. But you know, it'd be pretty stupid for me to say, hey, I want to pay my bill anyway. Because see, that gentleman paid my bill. Jesus paid your bill. Jesus paid your bill. You don't have to pay it. want you real quick play this with me you don't know if you've never experienced that love of God just right now in your just silently ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Savior ask Jesus to fill you with his presence give you strength to live for him every single day you ask him to do that he will he'll forgive you of your sin he'll come into your life and he'll save you makes you part of his family and so now you've got forgiveness you've got the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life and you can live for him so Father I just thank you God Lord I thank you for your word I thank you for Jesus I thank you for anyone who may have just cried out to you in their heart, whether in this room or online, God, that, that they want you as their Savior. They don't know what that's going to look like yet. They don't know how that plays out in their life. But, God, they said, I, I, want, I want to know you, Jesus. They called out to you. So, Lord, I just pray for them right now. Make yourself real in their lives like you did for me, like you've done for so many people in this room. Make yourself real. Show them who you are. Give them a desire like you did me to get into your word and read it and understand it. Give them a desire to fellowship with fellow believers and learn. Lord, give them a desire to follow you. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to shift gears here just for a second. In just a moment, we're going to take up the One Day to Feed the World offering. And uh, Pastor Kathy mentioned our brother-in-law, Bruce. He actually went to Kentucky uh, 